Who's there? Oh, only me, Pierre. Officer Musée, just doing the nightly rounds. Oh, Musée, you gave me a fright. <laughs> oh, my apologies. What are you doing out in front of your shop so late? Oh, there's always something to do. It was so hot tonight I couldn't sleep. So I came down and started getting things in order, cleaning things up, doing the bookkeeping. I just came out here for a smoke after all that. Oh, this heat is horrible. It's making all of us sluggish, which I guess is good because there hasn't been that much excitement tonight. Oh, good God, I am so bored. Would you like a cigarette? Why, yes, actually, I would. <sighs> Thank you, Pierre. What are you gentlemen doing out here? Ah, Pauline, good evening. Good evening? It's a hot evening. I've been washing clothes all night. I'm covered in sweat. It's awful. That's what I was just saying. It's impossible to do anything when it's this hot. And if it's this hot at 3 a.m., imagine what it's going to be like when the sun's out. Ugh, I can't abide the summer. I needed to come out for air. Didn't expect to see the two of you standing around smoking. Would you like one, Pauline? Oh, no. I don't want to stink up the family's house. I might even start to smell like smoke just from standing out here with you. <laughs> well, that's why it's been so boring tonight. I was missing Pauline's idea of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's hungry, I could bring out some pastries for a snack. I suppose it's late enough that it's nearly time for breakfast. Mm, I'm not very hungry. But I wouldn't mind putting my head in your icebox while you two eat. <laughs> what was that? Did you hear that? Hear what? Good lord, that's horrible. What is that? It sounds like it's coming from the house down the street. I need to investigate. Well, we must come too. You need witnesses. What do you mean? Do you think someone's being murdered? Goodness, there's already a crowd in front of this house. Marie! Isidore! Have you been here long? What's going on here? I got here just before you. We need to get inside. Make way, Police. make way! Police! coming through! Right here. Officers, up here. The sound came from the apartment next door. Who lives here? An old woman. Madame Laspinay. She lives here with her daughter Camille. Shh! Wait. What's that? Voices? Stand back, we're going in. Good lord. What? What happened here? What is all of this? I'm going to be sick. It's... Oh my god, it smells like death. I can't see a thing in here. Wait, there's a candle just inside here. Let me light a match. God, it's complete mayhem. What is all this soot and hair everywhere? There's something in the corner there. Do you, do you see it? A straight razor. Looks like it's covered in something. Oh, God, it's blood. Blood! But how could any of this happen? There's nobody in the apartment. Marie, check the window. It's totally locked. Nailed up. Can't budge it. What was that? Officers, come quick. It looks like something has fallen into the fireplace. What on... What is that? It looks like a... A shoe. God. Oh, God, have mercy. Does that mean something's in the... The chimney? Well, I'm going to be sick. <gasps> oh, it's a... It's a body. Step back. Everyone out. This is a crime scene. Everyone out. How could this... Who could have done something like this? It's time. You're listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air. Sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, this ongoing series brings to your ears the best-known works from America's revered grandfather of horror and suspense. From his favorite seat in the seedy Café Corbeau, Auguste Dupin's biographer Zack Yeager recounts the tales of murder and mystery that cemented Poe's reputation as one of the originators of the modern detective story. Today, the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air takes on the grisly story of mayhem on the Paris streets, the murders in the Rue Morgue. And now, the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air brings you the murders in the Rue Morgue. For the barflies and shadowy figures that prowl Paris by night, 
it's never too early nor too late for a drink. And the best place to do that may be just down the street. And here we are, the Café Corbeau. <sighs> this place is like my office. Yeah, it's a great spot if you like your booze neat and your people sloppy. Some expats, some drifters, a few lowlifes. Everybody's working an angle. Louis! Hey, how's it going? That guy owes me money. Oh, and Lenore. She's a good one. Lenore, my angel. Ça va? <laughs> she's a little shy. Anyway, like I said back at the asylum, I'm Zach Yeager. I'm a reporter. I cover the crime beat in Paris for Le Journal. Small paper, but it pays the rent. I've spent so many nights here, they keep a place warm for me. Right here, corner table by the bar, prime real estate. Here, grab a seat. Ah, uh, Claudette, my little cabbage, how are you? A uh, shot and a beer for me, and my friend will have a glass of wine or something. Actually, you know, just make it two beers for now. Thanks. Anyway, where was I? Oh, right. I happened to be right here drinking with the boys during that grisly night on the Rue Morgue, but I heard all about it the next morning from my roommate, Auguste Dupin. Good morning, Zach. Uh, hello, Dupin. Or I guess I should say good afternoon. Or maybe just don't say anything. I've got a horrible headache. Well, there's coffee. Help yourself. You made coffee. That's a first. Why so chipper? I'm reading the paper. There's been a murder. Ah, uh, of course. This one's absolutely horrific. I've never heard anything quite like it. It's awful. You'll love it. Thanks, Claudette. Uh, we're good with these for now. Now, how exactly do I describe someone like Auguste Dupin? He's odd, isolated, intense. Not really one for small talk. Nothing like murder and coffee to start the weekend off right. I've known Dupin for years. Besides being the strangest person I've ever met, he's probably also my longest friendship in Paris. I don't know what that says about me, and I'd rather not think about it. Can you pour me another cup while you're up? I don't think you need any more coffee. Your happiness is disturbing. I first met Dupin in a library. I was in the history section researching something for a story when a short giggle disrupted the quiet. <laughs> and then, another. <laughs> I then realized there was a man at the table next to me reading a massive book about Julius Caesar. Excuse me, but what is so funny? Oh, oh, so sorry. I, I just spotted a misspelling on this page, and it's quite amusing. It certainly takes some of the grandeur out of Caesar when you see something like that. After all, you can't have a speech that starts with fiends, Romans, countrymen. <laughs> Changes the meaning just a bit, don't you think? <laughs> well, although I suppose they were fiends of a sort. To Caesar, at least. Uh, sure. Are you local? To Paris? Do you live in this neighborhood? I, uh, yes, I, I live here. I, I'm a transplant from the States originally. Baltimore. I'm a crime reporter. How wonderful! Oh, and what a fascinating career. Never a dull moment for you, I'm sure. You could say that. My living situation isn't the best right now, though. Too many roommates. And I work nights, so there are too many people bothered by all my comings and goings. It's gotten a little tiresome. I'm ready to leave. You don't say. As luck would have it, Dupin was looking for a new living situation himself. Or any living situation. He came from inherited money and he wasn't employed, and he wanted a home that would suit his needs. Namely, he needed it to cost practically nothing. Claudette, round two? I guess he'd what you'd call a trust fund, maybe. But the fund didn't give him enough cash to throw around, and Dupin's not exactly built for a steady nine-to-five job, and so, in that library, I unexpectedly gained a new roommate. Delighted to meet you. We found a place fairly quickly, and luckily for me, Dupin was also a night owl. We both knew that the most honest, complex, and fascinating Paris stories occurred in the dark of night, and our mutual goal was to unearth those stories. We'd be up all hours of the night, whether for work or play, and when we woke later in the day, we'd close the shutters and draw the curtains, keeping the place in a constant state of night until we were ready to hit the streets after dark. The dark of night was our natural habitat, and it's been that way for years. 
Did you clean the apartment? Yes, the clutter was making me nervous. Okay, listen to this. Early this morning, someone's piercing screams woke up several apartments on the Rue Morgue. Honey. Honey, do you hear that? Honey, wake up! What is that? Woman? I'm calling the police. Hello? Madame Lespinay? Are you all right? Isn't her daughter with her? Police! Police! Coming through! What is all this? Soot and hair everywhere? There's a razor in the corner covered in blood. And not only that, the family's safe was left open. A massive amount of money, 4,000 francs, had been thrown all over the room. So they were trying to rob her? All that madness was just to get the old woman's money. Actually, someone threw bags of money all around the room, but took none of it. As though they just wanted to add to the scene's chaos. My head is spinning, Dupin. Of course it's spinning. You were drunk last night. But there's more. What is that up in the... Oh, God. (gasps) Step back. Everyone out. This is a crime scene daughter's corpse had been stuffed into the chimney, and that was only after someone had choked her to death. Good lord. And you said they only found the daughter? Where was Madame Lispinay? You might want to sit down for this part. I can't find the old woman anywhere. But all the windows are locked. She couldn't have gone anywhere. We should still get on the ground. Look around the perimeter of the building. They found her body, badly beaten, crumpled in the building's courtyard. When they moved her, they found that her throat had been so deeply cut that... Her head fell off? Right there in front of them? Well, that would explain the blood-stained razor. But nothing else is explained. The police are at a loss, and the deaths are so wildly brutal they don't appear to have any modem. Even the apartment itself, completely locked and impenetrable, offers no clues. Except the body in the chimney, and another in the courtyard. Well, life and death work in mysterious ways. And it's a mystery that either of us has any appetite for breakfast after all that story, eh, Dupin? Uh... Dupin? I'm going to need your help, Zachary. Uh, I was afraid of that. Help with what? The police have arrested someone for the murder of these two women, but they have charged the wrong man. Okay, and how do I factor into this? By going to the police department with me and explaining these facts to the prefect. What? Really? It's my day off. Zach, we need to get to the bottom of this. You think... You think just because I write about this stuff, we can just go in and get an audience with the chief of police? Well, yes, of course you can. And why are you so sure the person they charged is innocent? Because it's Adolphe Le Bon, the bank clerk who delivered Madame Lespinay's 4,000 francs to her apartment three days before that money was ripped out of her safe and thrown across her home. So the bank clerk who delivered her money is the one who killed her. That's what the prefect would have you believe. She's wrong, Zach. Adolphe Le Bon is more than innocent. He's a good man, and he needs to be absolved of this crime. And I vow to do it. Oh? And what has you so fired up to do that? My reasons are my own. He has been a good friend to me. A Samaritan, in fact. Ah. So you'll help me? I suppose I have to now. Oh, thank you, Zachary. As I anticipated. Let's go! All right. All right, just let me grab my jacket. Move more quickly, Zachary. The mystery awaits! I said I'm coming! Slow down! I never knew you had any friends. Claudette, my pair. Another round? Yeah. So, thanks to my friend Auguste Dupin and his strange brain, what should have been a rare Saturday off for me had just turned into an impromptu visit to the police department to discuss the Rue Morgue murders with the prefect, Honoré Laurent. Oh, uh, Claudette, actually I'll have a whiskey this time. Thank you! Anyway... Henri and I have history, you could say. I'd written some glowing pieces on a couple sloppy deductions the cops had made. For Dupin, that meant I had a favor in the bank. May I help you? We request an audience with Prefect Laurent. Right this instant. Easy, Dupin, easy. Uh, Good morning. Simone, isn't it? It is. Is the Prefect expecting you? Certainly not. What an absurd question. That requires some foreknowledge of our thoughts and intentions of only minutes ago, and at that particular time... Down, boy. Simone, I'm Zach Yeager. Honoré knows me. Oh, is that right? But of course. My associate here is a frequent visitor to your constabulary. This is the illustrious crime reporter... Zach Yeager. 
great God in heaven. Honoré! It's been a while, Jaeger. Thought they'd have sacked you by now, or you decided to become a baker or something more respectable no, than... No, Honoré, I'm still at Le Journal. Good news for you. Well, I suppose. And this is your friend, the, um, the odd one. Yes. Hello again. Auguste Dupin at your service. You remember Dupin, Honoré? He's been a very useful asset for us both in the past. Yes, yes, of course, Dupin. No one's brain works quite like yours. I'm flattered. Are you? Simone, if anyone needs me, I'll be with these gentlemen in my office. Yes, Prefect Laurent. Oh, this is quite the office. Yes, the job of Prefect has its benefits. Yes, the job of Prefect. So you need all of the space to do whatever you may need to do as a prefect. Prefecting? We went over this, Dupin. I am the prefect. I am prefecting. Please don't disturb me while I prefect about. Dupin, you promised to act like a person when we got here. Of course, naturally, I am a person. What else could I act like? All right, this has been sufficiently strange. Gentlemen, what brings you here? We have vital intelligence on the murders that took place at the Rue Morgue last night. Oh, do you now? I have just said so, yes. All right, steady, old man. Honoré Dupin here has been conducting his own research on what happened to Madame L'Espinay and her daughter, and he's already made a few important deductions. Ah, have you? Let's hear them, then. The man you arrested, the bank clerk Adolphe Le Bon, he did not kill Madame L'Espinay or her daughter. Well, who did, then? I don't know yet. You don't know yet? Mm -mm. But you just said you had already made deductions? Oh, no, 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 no. Actually, Zachary said that, to be precise. But regardless, Adolphe is a good man. He was only doing his job by giving Madame Lespinay access to her money. He should not be charged with murder just because he was the last person who saw her before the unpleasant incident. That is not a deduction. That is your opinion. With all due respect, that is not an opinion. It is a fact. Adolphe Le Bon is innocent. Okay, get out. It's perfectly understandable, Prefect. I can see how your officers drew their mistaken conclusion. You really think the work my officers have done is wrong? Yes. You think that you know what happened in that godforsaken apartment? Probably. That you would somehow see what we had missed? Well, yes, that is plainly what I'm saying, yes. Dupin, enough. Honoré, wait. No, you wait, Jaeger. The Lespinay case is the strangest, most revolting chaos I've ever seen. The scene is burned into my brain. I swear I'm going to have nightmares for weeks because of it. Severed heads, bodies in chimneys, and now you are telling me that the work of my own men is wrong. Have you ever seen a dead body with your own eyes, Dupin? Well, of course, yes, I've seen several as it happens, but to return to the point... I don't believe in your facts or your opinions or any of this nonsense. I believe in the work of the Paris Police Department. That's all. Now, kindly see yourselves out. Honoré, no one is doubting the work of your department. (laughs) Dupin... This is truly one of the strangest scenes I've ever heard of, an incredibly difficult case to crack. But then, who better to untangle the bizarre logic of these rumored murders than Auguste Dupin and his brilliantly strange, thoroughly twisted brain? Thank you, Zachary. Your twisted friend is a twisted civilian. Leave the police work to the actual police. Listen, Honoré, we both know I've done you a few favors before. More than a few, right? I could have embarrassed you in the paper after your men bongled that last case, but I didn't. Isn't that right? You're right. Don't remind me. So, now it's time for you to help me. Dupin knows what he's doing, but we can only get so far on our own. We need to get into the apartment where the murders took place to find more clues as to who really killed these women. And we need you to grant us access into that apartment. But we're not here to make you look bad. We just want to help. All right, fine. Go to the apartment. I'll give you 15 minutes, as long as you have one of my men with you. But don't touch anything, and if you find anything big, you let me know first. You have my word. Thank you, Honoré. Uh, Prefect Laurent? Yes? There is also the matter of the key witnesses that were on the scene at the time of the death. What of them? We would like to speak with them. Examine the witnesses. Well, why didn't you say so? Anything else? Would you like to move into my office while you're at it? Oh. Well, I suppose it might be more convenient now that you mention it. But all the same, no, no, thank you. The accommodations here are not exactly... Dupin. Not exactly what exactly? Well, I mean... Quiet, just... Dupin. Honoré, we're here to help. 
Our key witnesses were a Pierre Moreau, a local shopkeeper, and a Pauline Dubourg, who runs a laundry. You may speak to them if you wish. Fantastic. We will get to the bottom of this, Honoré. I hope for your sake you will. You get 15 minutes at that crime scene. That should be enough to take in everything that's there. I'll have Simone let the officers know. She'll give you the address of the witnesses. Your kindness will not go unnoticed, Prefect Laurent. Thank you, Honoré. You won't regret this. I'd better not. All right now, good day. And Jaeger? Henri? I have my eye on you. Oh, can you believe that went so well? She may be coarse and a bit slow, but that Honoré is such I swear a... to God, Dupin, if you mess this up for me, my career is on the chopping block. You better know what you're doing on this one. At the risk of sounding egotistical, when have I ever not known what I was doing? You are going to drive me crazy. Now, which of these lovely witnesses should we pay a visit to first? Ah, lovely. Our drinks are here. Thank you, Claudette. I suppose it's getting busier in here. Is it just me, or is that woman looking at me? It's just me, isn't it? Hmm. Uh, Now, where was I? Oh, right. We spent the afternoon wandering up and down the Rue Morgue, trying to make sense of the addresses Simone had given us. Bonjour. Is the lady of the house in? Shall I take it as a no? Hello? Hello? Some attempts were more successful than others. Hello, sir. Is this the shop that belongs to Pierre Moreau? Yes, it is. I'm Pierre. Ah, very good. Monsieur Moreau, would you mind answering some questions for the Paris police? But of course. Oh, excellent. Where were you last night at around three in the morning? Cleaning up my shop, sweeping up a bit out front. It was brutally hot. Then I heard screaming. It was ghastly. You were with the police as they uncovered the scene of the crime. Oh, yes. Did you have any prior connection to the victims, Madame Lespinay and her daughter Camille? Oh, yes. Camille and her mother had been buying food at my store for, it must have been three or four years. They were always so lovely to talk to. Hmm. What do you remember about the crime scene? The details are a bit hazy. I was so overwhelmed, I got sick several times. One particular detail sticks out in my memory, though. Voices. What kind of voices? It sounded like they were hovering outside the apartment, like they belonged to ghosts? Silly, I know. But it sounded like Russian, I think. You heard two voices shouting in Russian? Well, uh, no, I don't speak Russian. But it wasn't French, to be sure. Mm. So what else did you notice? It was so dark in there. And when we lit a match, we started seeing that the floor was covered in dust, soot, blood everywhere. But the most horrible thing, the moment before the police told us to leave, we found that a madman had stuffed poor Camille's body up into the fireplace chimney. He must have had the strength of a horse. He choked the life out of the poor thing. Oh, I see. Is there anything else you think we should know? No, I think that covers everything pretty well. Well, thank you so much for your time. Of course. Mademoiselle Pauline Dubourg live here? Uh, why, yes, I'm Pauline Dubourg. Oh, marvelous. Mademoiselle Dubourg, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind answering some questions. Police business. Uh, yes, of course. Excellent. Where were you last night at around three in the morning? I was just finishing some laundry for one of my customers. I had stepped out for a breath of fresh air, and then I heard screaming. Did you have any prior connection to the victims, Madame Lespinay and her daughter Camille? Three or four years at least. That's how long I had been washing their clothes, I think. They were some of my nicest clients, always paid well. I'm not sure where the money came from. Was there anything in particular you noticed when you were in that apartment? (sighs) I'd never seen anything like it. But before we could even see anything, we heard these two strange, muffled voices. What kind of voices? They sounded like they were German. A pair of Germans were speaking to each other? And they weren't speaking. They were shouting. And you speak German, ma'am? No. But I can certainly hear when someone is speaking in German. Not like it's difficult. 
When the police broke in, it was a horrible mess. Dust, hair, soot, and blood everywhere. Whoever did it left a razor in the corner. They were trying to cover their tracks. They were very sloppy about it. What were you able to see? A madman had stuffed poor Camille's body up into the fireplace chimney. The only way we even noticed she was up there was when one of her shoes fell into the soot. The police had to drag her out of it. The killer had wrapped his hands around her neck and squeezed, strangled the life out of her. That's... it's fascinating. Fascinating? Well, that's one word for it, yes. Mademoiselle Duborg, is there anything else you think might be important? They... (laughs) Please don't want me to tell you this, but... When I was in there, it was such a strange, uneasy feeling. I firmly believe that madman is still in that room. That he was somehow hiding somewhere, watching all of us. That he's waiting to come back out and strike again when we least expect it. Well, we are going to make sure that doesn't happen. Your insights were extremely useful. Thank you for your time. You are most welcome. So, how you feeling, Dupin? You think what they said checks out? More or less. You can never really tell with witnesses, can you? You mean you don't think they were being honest? Oh, I think they were being honest. I just... I just think people often embellish or make things up. A person may remember the feeling of fear in their gut, and then that feeling will twist anything they might have seen, make it into a nightmare, blur facts and details. True. How could that shopkeeper remember everything he did, even when he spent most of the night retching? what about the accents of the shouting voices they heard? And what about them? Well, she said it was German, he said it was Russian, yet neither of them speaks one language nor the other. So? So isn't it more likely that they heard neither German nor Russian, but perhaps something altogether different? Uh, well, their accounts are useful to have anyway, aren't they? Oh, yes, they will be helpful. But you know there's something else we have to do. Something that will inevitably make it all clear. Oh, God. I know that look, and I don't like it. We've got places to be. Let's see if Pauline Duborg was right, and if a murderer really is still hiding in the apartment on the Rue Morgue. Claudette, my bijou, once more into the breach, huh? Another round? So, as I was saying, after questioning some key witnesses in the case, Dupin and I found ourselves staring at the front of an apartment building on a rainy Saturday afternoon. We weren't alone. A crowd had gathered throughout the day, as if they were, as we were, trying to piece the clues together, as if we were all trying to make sense of how exactly such a horrific murder could take place in such an ordinary location when most of Paris was sleeping. Uh, This building looks even more depressing in the rain. Depressing is not the word I might use. Okay. Well, how about haunted? Where are you going? To walk the perimeter. They found the old woman outside, after all. Maybe there's a clue in the courtyard or somewhere else. Yeah, but the police already walked the perimeter. They didn't find much. What's the point? Now you're starting to sound like the prefect. You don't have to stay here if you don't want to, Prefect Jaeger. Go home and have a coffee. Do some prefecting around, Monsieur Prefect. I'll meet you there presently. All right, all right. Wait up. I want to help. Delightful. This crime isn't impossible to solve, Zachary. Well... We've been walking around for ten minutes. All I'm seeing is a lot of grass and stone buildings. Is that the kind of evidence you're looking for? I do not know yet what kind of evidence I'm looking for, Zachary. It might be as small as a hair, or even something lying quietly out of order. Something that no one would notice, but something that means everything to the case. And now here we are, back where we started, at the front door. Wonderful. Let's go in. What, now? We are here, the building is here, why should we not? Well, among many, many other reasons, the prefect plainly told us we had 15 minutes, but only as long as we had a patrolman with us. That hardly seems efficient. Do you really want to go all the way back just to get a police officer when we are already here ourselves? (sighs) Go. But if this gets me blacklisted with the Chief Dupin, I swear... Zachary, the police aren't here, are they? You have nothing to worry about. Anyway, they put this case to bed when they arrested Adolphe Lebon. Ah, yes, your friend, the bank teller. My innocent friend, the bank teller. Follow me, Zachary, this way. Oh, good God. 
How did that old woman make it up all these stairs every day? Maybe the stairs are why she became a recluse. Aha, here we are. Uh, so the witnesses were right. It does smell like death in here. Mm, looks like it, too. Take a deep breath before we go in, my friend. We're going to be here for a while. Fifteen minutes, Dupin. A quarter hour, a half, however you choose to mark the time. I choose fifteen minutes. Very well, very well. Let's waste no more time arguing. Hmm. This place looks like it was a nice apartment. If you can get past the blood, hair, ash, and paper all over the place, the old lady kept a tidy home. Hey, what's this here? Letters? The windows are firmly locked. Odd. Hmm. Love letters. Don't touch anything, Zachary. Now you're worried about procedure? I obviously know better than to touch anything, Dupin. This isn't my first crime scene. It's just the wildest. Wild indeed. How does someone even begin to explain what happened here? The amount of strength it must have taken to strangle a woman and shove her into a chimney of all places. Or to cut off an old woman's head and push her out a window. And how could the killer possibly have entered or escaped when the whole place is locked? It's all such a mystery. It is certainly unusual, but it's not a mystery, Zachary. Do you know the biggest mistake the police have been making this whole time? Not being clairvoyant? They are utterly, incurably fixated on the question, what has happened? When really they should be asking, what has happened here that has never happened before? I'm not sure I follow. And what are you doing by the bedroom windows? They're not just locked, you know. It looks like someone has pounded a nail into each one. I am aware of what it looks like, but if I could just... Hmm. Fastened. Right. Like I said. Locked. There's the other by the bed. You're really going to check every window, even when they're all plainly nailed shut? You are the most stubborn person I know. Not stubborn, Zachary. Persistent. You see what seems impossible must be possible. Here, help me move this bed. You told me not to touch anything. Help me move the bed, Zachary. Fine. All right. One, two, three. Ah, thank you, old man. Okay, here we are, another window with another nail in it, plain as day. But off you go to try and open Mm, it. What's this? Even when you've just seen for yourself there's no possible way. Ah! Good God. What on earth? How did you open that window? Look here, in my hand, what do you think this is? Again, like I said, a nail. No, no, old man, not a nail. A part of a nail. The window wasn't fastened at all. The nail was jammed into the window, and yet was not long enough to secure it shut. The window was not locked. It just looked like it was. What seems impossible is, in fact, possible. How did you know that? It's just the kind of thing I know. And I thought to look. The window must have been open to let the summer air into the room. When the murderer arrived, he found the window open and came in that way. And once he was satisfied with the carnage he had wrought, he made his way back out and closed the window and shut her behind. Oh, this is just the most significant discovery we could have possibly... Dupin! We're on the fourth floor of an apartment building. How could anyone have gotten up here from the outside, even through an open window? And how could the killer have escaped without falling to his own death? Interesting question. How did the murderer get from the ground to the window and back again? It's another situation that seems impossible, but now that we know he must have used this window to enter, the rest is not hard for us to determine. This sounds like another one of those riddles you love. Look out the window, Zachary. Okay, fine. And what am I looking at exactly? That that metal rod sticking up out of the ground over there? Well done, but that is not just any rod. It is a lightning rod. It can protect an apartment building from a lightning bolt in a summer storm. And in this case, it can offer a murderer a creative way to climb up or down a wall so that he can enter and leave the building without anyone noticing. But how did he clear the distance from the rod to the window? Have another look outside. For Pete's sake, does everything have to be a quiz with you? Can't you just tell me like a normal person? I don't know who Pete is or what he has to do with anything. You Americans are inscrutable. But just look outside once again. What do you see? The same as before. Brick walls, lightning rod, windows. Shuttered windows, my good man. And there is your answer. With the shutters open, the murderer could scale the rod, take a hold of a shutter, and swing over to the window. And when he was done, he swung it behind him, leaving a window seemingly shuttered and fastened closed from the inside. Well, he could come and go at will, in fact. Well, that doesn't make me feel very safe. 
Well, of course, naturally it's not supposed to. So now, Zachary, we know how the killer must have gotten into the apartment. And based on the way in which he entered, we can also safely assume that he was very strong. A man with very special strength and training, perhaps. But even though we know a bit more about what the murder was like, one question remains. Who is it? Excuse me? Who are you people? What are you doing in here? This is a crime scene. No one is allowed in here without a police escort. Well, hey, hi there. You, uh, uh, so sorry. We were on our way to visit a dear friend's apartment, and we got very turned around. I told you she's on the second floor. What? Our friend on the second floor? Oh, yes, yes, of course, of course, yes, yes, our, yes, our very dear friend's apartment, right, is on the second floor. Oh, how foolish. Excuse me, what? Oh, what, 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 what floor is this again? The fourth. Oh, well, that's just not right at all, is it? For pity's sake, it doesn't matter. Uh, our mistake. So sorry. Move, please. We'll just be going. See that you do. I hate you. That seems unnecessarily brusque, whatever for. Because I, you, we, you know what, never mind. Can we go home now, please? We can go home now. We found all the clues we need and everything it takes to save a friend. We need to head home now and solve the rest of this to keep Adolf Le Bon out of jail. Great, let's go. I've had enough mystery for the moment. As have I. But there is one last stop I need to make. Oh, where's that? I need to post an advertisement in the paper's afternoon edition. What are you advertising? With any luck, you'll find out by morning. I'll meet you back at the apartment. Dupin, what are you advertising? Dupin? Dupin! Ah, thank you, Claudette, my love. Now can you see why I needed a drink after being friends with Auguste Dupin? I've never met a more stubborn person in my whole life. He was in great spirits as we left the Rue Morgue. I don't think I've seen him happier in all the time I've known him. He was walking with an unusually perky step, and as we were on our way home, I swore I heard something. Something incredibly strange. Dupin, are you whistling? So what if I am? I can whistle sometimes. I have never heard you whistle in my life. I whistle. I'm a whistler. Anyway, I'll meet you back home. I have to take care of an errand. Yeah, it's not an errand. You said you were going to put in an advertisement? Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. All will be revealed. Ta for now. That's Dupin, all right. He must have felt he was really onto something or getting closer to the murderer of Madame Lespinay and her daughter. Why else would he take such delight in torturing me and not tell me anything? Okay, that one is definitely making eyes at me. I uh, just can't figure out if they're looking at you or, or me, but I'll, I'll have Claudette send them a drink anyway. Hey, Claudette, on my tab, you're the best. So while Dupin placed his advertisement for something, I took the long way home to think. I racked my brain with all the details. What could he have possibly seen that I hadn't? We're both at the crime scene together. We'd stood together in that dark room with all its ghastly sights. The whole place felt empty and haunted to me. Meanwhile, Dupin was having epiphanies left and right, connecting dots I didn't even know were there. By the time I got home, Dupin was already there. He was speedy when he was onto something. But now his feet were propped up and he was reading the paper. Relaxing. Afternoon, Zachary. How can you act so confident right now? After what we saw this morning, do you really have answers? Zach, you have turned into such a pessimist. You're a crime reporter after all. Haven't you learned that sometimes clues can hide in plain sight, even in the strangest of circumstances? I haven't witnessed such a baffling scene in my entire career. A murder's one thing, but a headless woman in a courtyard and a daughter stuffed up a chimney? That's another kind of atrocity altogether. Well, don't fret. We're inching ever closer to the perpetrator of those crimes. Justice will visit Madame Lespinay and her daughter. And my dear friend, the wrongly accused Adolphe Le Bon will be set free. You really are so confident about this. I have complete confidence, yes. 
And you're not going to tell me why, huh? Not yet. I prefer you to be surprised. Dupin and I were up late into the night, as is our typical fashion. I was catching up on work, and he was devouring whatever book or newspaper he could get his hands on. At one point, I saw him reading a news story about a Maltese ship. <laughs> Who knows why? I went to bed as the sun was rising. When I awoke late in the afternoon, Dupin was right where I'd left him. Good God, man, have you even slept? Oh, hello, Zachary. Now I got so caught up in my research, I just forgot to. And in all honesty, I'm far too excited to get any rest just yet. Well, I'm going to make coffee. I have discovered who the killer is. Mm, of course you have. You're buzzing around like a maniac, so you must clearly be in a sound state of mind. Of course, you must have logically deduced who the culprit is. I most certainly have. And who was it, dare I ask, who murdered Madame Lespinay and her daughter? My friend, brace yourself. It was none other than an orangutan. Go to bed, Dupin. There's no time for sleep, not when the case is this close to being cracked. <laughs> you were so confident, so annoyingly certain, and now you tell me this nonsense. You truly are always finding new ways to stun me. Well, what do you mean? I mean you sound insane. An orangutan killed those women on the Rue Morgue. We did all that work, and the best you can think of is an animal, a monkey, an ape, actually. And aren't we all just animals when you come oh, to think about Oh, good lord, please shut up. You should have told me this ridiculous news after I'd had some coffee. Why are you so angry? I thought you'd be excited to learn this. Are you feeling all right, Dupin? You clearly are not operating at your best right now. I think you've fallen prey to a delusion. Delusion? When have my deductions ever been brought on by a delusion? I don't know, Dupin. There's just... This is the most insane deduction you've ever made. And when have you known me to make an incorrect one? Might I remind you that you called this the wildest case you'd ever seen? All right, don't remind me. Every part of this story is insane. So then why shouldn't the answer to this case be equally insane? You honestly believe that an orangutan burst into an apartment and murdered two women? It is not a matter of belief, it is a matter of fact. And now what on earth is that? Oh, I almost forgot to tell you that someone will be coming by to speak with me about the Rue Morgue killings. My advertisement has already attracted quite a bit of attention. What? But you just placed... And now they're here. Is this really happening? Who is this person? A sailor. He just returned from Malta. A random sailor answered your advertisement to come and talk to you about who killed these women. Random? Well, I suppose you could say that. Although truly, I was hoping for one type of sailor in particular. What are you thinking? How is a sailor connected to an orangutan who is apparently a murderer? We will soon find out. Well, this is too odd to pass up. May I join you? I was hoping you would. I know. I don't expect you to be following me here either. At that point, I was convinced that Dupin was just doing all of this as an elaborate prank to mess with my brain. Even though he was right and he had never steered me wrong with a bad deduction. Unlike Prefect Honoré Laurent... So I shouldn't have seemed surprised when, sure enough, before long, an enormous sailor was standing at our door. He seemed nervous, uncertain, hopeful. I couldn't quite tell. Welcome, sir. My name is Auguste Dupin. It is an absolute pleasure to meet you. Paul Saint-Michel, uh, hello. I assume you are here to address the lost orangutan advertisement that I would posted. Yes. Yes, I am here for that, monsieur. Oh, good lord. Delightful. Uh, this is my associate, Zach Yeager. Salute. Hello. Uh, a word, Dupin. Now please have a seat in our parlor here. Dupin, a word? In a moment, Zachary. I think now, actually. Now. Very well. Please, make yourself comfortable. Yes, this won't take a minute. We'll be right with you. Very well. What is going on here, Dupin? Is that really why you posted an advertisement so that some nut job would get in touch with you about a lost orangutan in Paris? You are correct, sir. Our friend the sailor here was close by at the newsstand while I looked over the ad I had posted, hot off the presses, as they say, and clearly he took to it with interest. He took a copy of the paper as I was walking away. Dupin, you need to go to bed. Oh, with a guest in the next room? Certainly not. 
so sorry to keep you waiting, Monsieur Saint Michel. No, it's it's Paul. Please. Uh, so you have information about my lost orangutan? Yes, I do, Monsieur. He's a very fine animal. How old do you think he may be? I don't know. Five years. Do you have him here? <laughs> of course, you don't have him here. There's no room in this apartment. But we can have him for you in the morning if you can prove he's yours. I can prove that the animal is mine. Mm, I wish I could keep him. I almost gave him a name. You what now? I would very much like to have my animal back. I will pay you for finding it anything you want. Anything within reason. Oh, how kind of you. Ooh, ooh, let me think. What should we ask for, Zachary? Any ideas? Oh, actually, I have one. As payment, why don't you tell me everything you know about the murders of the Rue Morgue? Excuse me? Who are you exactly? I am someone who locked the door to this room before he sat down, monsieur. And someone with the ear of Prefect Honoré Laurent of the Paris Constabulary. But what is the meaning of... Now who do you think you... No, what is happening? Oh, God. Oh, dear God. Are you going to have me arrested? What do you want? Do not be afraid. We know you are not the killer. You didn't even take any of the victim's money. But you do know who the murderer is. I didn't kill anyone, and I'll tell you the whole story, even if I have to die for it. I already know the story. It was no man who murdered Madame Lespenay and her daughter. It was a beast, and it was your beast, monsieur. Your orangutan is the killer! Yes! God have mercy! You two must be joking. I'll tell you everything I know, I swear. So, Zachary, am I insane now? Well, yes, but now you may also be on to something. So, go on, Paul. Let's hear your story. Claudette, what do you think? Do either of us have any luck with the cute one at the other end of the bar? No? No. Well, what about you? No, too, huh? Well, you can't blame us for trying. Now, my friend, where to even begin? My associate, Auguste Dupin, had just made a massive breakthrough in the case of the Rue Morgue killings. He'd also just made a massive sailor break down in our living room over an apparently murderous orangutan. Uh, do you need another drink? Because I think I might. Please don't say it's been killed. Please, tell me he's all right. Your animal is alive and safe, sir. Now please, it is a matter of honor for you to tell us everything you know. You'll be reunited before you know it. Very well. But I don't expect you to believe me. About a year ago, my shipmates and I sailed to the island of Borneo. We had traveled the world for years, and still none of us had ever seen such a place before. My God, look at it. Do you men see this place? I could leave this ship today and spend the rest of my life on this beach. And that enormous jungle forest... It's so dark and lush, it hardly seems real. Imagine what could be living there. Creatures we don't even know exist. Well, my shipmates and I couldn't resist exploring. We went deep into the forest. The heat and humidity were so intense that we quickly lost track of time. And then we found him. The huge animal. The greatest beast we had ever laid eyes on. My friend and I captured the beast and brought it back to the ship. But by the time we returned back home to the port, my friend no longer had any use for the animal. Get back, you beast! Sammy, show this is lunacy! If you want the beast so badly, have him. He smells horrible anyway. And so we returned to Paris. After the trek from Borneo, the animal had badly injured its foot. I was planning to sell him once it got well. He wasn't exactly an easy roommate to have. No! 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 Hey! Ouch! Back! Get away and keep your hands off me, you damn dirty ape! First, it seemed the only way for this arrangement to work was to carefully lock the animal in my house, but there's not much space in a sailor's flat. That meant my new roommate had to take up residence in my closet. I, I would let him out from time to time for a bit of air. 
that's when I noticed that he had a most peculiar talent, one I could have never guessed. Ventriloquism? Mimicry. The orangutan was a genius at imitating human mannerisms. He would pretend to hold a knife and fork while I was eating, or I would be reading a newspaper and I would look up and see the beast exactly mimicking the way I was sitting, complete with his hand on his chin, puzzled brow, just like it was my own face. I thought I was imagining things. Before long, though, I started to wonder if the creature had an intellect more like that of a human. Little did you know you'd picked up a genius in Borneo. No locking him back in the closet after that, I suppose. I couldn't. The very thought filled me with guilt. His ability to act like a human was so touching that I started to grow fond of him. So he became your roommate after that? Waiting to greet you after a long sailing voyage? Well, I didn't just leave him to roam around my home unattended, if that's what you think. But when I was there, I would leave him to his own devices, free of confinement. What did he do with that freedom? Nothing, really. He would sometimes sit by the window and watch the street below. Other times he would focus on whatever I was doing. It was unnerving. But over time, we grew comfortable with each other, maybe even trusting. And what did you do when you needed to leave the apartment? Right. Did you just shove him back in the closet? No. I couldn't put him back there. When I needed to go out, I would chain him to a pipe by the window so that at least he could see what was happening in the world below him. He, he seemed to appreciate that. I would watch him sometimes, study that thoughtful face of his and wonder about just how much we understood each other, which then led me to trying a little mimicry of my own. You started making your own monkey sounds? An orangutan is not a monkey, Zachary. It is an ape. Yes, he covered that before, Dupin. Does it really matter? Well, certainly. I don't care. Go on. I know it sounds insane, but I wanted to test my new friend's intellect to see if it was possible to communicate with him using the same sounds that he made all the time. At first, I must say, my friend looked at me as if I had suddenly grown three heads. Yeah, maybe you hadn't quite perfected his accent. No. Perhaps not. But as I practiced, he slowly began to respond to my sounds. Anyone who may have overheard us making such strange noises might have thought us mad or... Or perhaps they thought you were from elsewhere. A German, perhaps. Or a Russian. So you understood each other after that? I thought so. Certain noises meant certain things. A grunt for breakfast, for supper, for bedtime. We became very close, or... So it seemed. I, I thought he was a friend. But I suppose even a dear friend can surprise you. Or horrify you. What do you mean? That night. The night of the... The killings. I came home after a few beers at the Café Corbeau. Hey, I know that place. Zachary, please. And when I opened the door, I was met with a sight that made me think I was hallucinating. <gasps> the beast was standing in the center of my apartment covered in shaving cream and holding, I swear this is true a straight razor to his face he gave a start like a man who had been interrupted in the middle of his morning shave I still don't know how he had freed himself and ended up there on his own he was standing there shaving well the blade never quite made contact with his face but he moved it up and down with such an ease as if he had done it a thousand times, or, or more accurately, as if he had seen someone do it a thousand times. He learned the motion from you. I panicked. I didn't want him to hurt himself. I truly cared about him, so I shouted. Stop! Stop that now! What are you doing? Put down that razor! I'd never hollered with such rage at him before. It hurt my own ears to hear it. He must have thought I was furious. Really, I just didn't want to hurt him. It gave him such a fright that he wailed and took off through an open window like a shot. I was so overwhelmed by my own panic at first that I didn't know what to do. And then, once I'd regained my wits, I, I tore off into the streets. Through that same window? Through the front door. You must have had quite a head start. I ran like a maniac. I, I shouted into alleys. I, I was like a wild animal myself. And then I found him standing 
perfectly still on some side street, staring at me with eyes full of hurt. I was astounded. I must have waved to him or made some gesture for him to come to me. I thought he understood, and I and I raced up to meet him, but he must have taken it for a threat and took off running again. And you followed. I did. It was a meandering chase down streets and alleys. I swear, sometimes he would slow down as if on purpose so I could catch up just enough to where I felt like I'd finally caught him, and then his speed would pick up and we would tear down yet another dark street. And you could not catch a limping orangutan, even as an athletic shipment. The beast was easily twice my size, and I had already been running for quite a while to the point of exhaustion. I don't know how long I'd been running before he stopped on the Rue Morgue. But I saw something glinting from his tightly closed fist, something metallic. He was holding it like a precious jewel. Then the animal saw light coming out of an open window high up above, the only light in sight. He spotted the apartment's lightning rod, climbed it as if it were nothing, and used the window shutter to swing into the room. The living room of Madame Lespenay. Yes. I didn't know what to do, so I just followed the beast up the pole, but the open window was out of reach, and with the shutter partly closed, I was afraid to jump. A strong man such as yourself? Afraid? Yes. All right. I could see into the room. Two women were sitting with their backs to the windows. It was the middle of the night. Who knows why they were awake? They were reading papers, maybe letters from a box on the middle of the floor. They didn't even notice the animal watching them, huge though he was. I hovered in that horrible silence for an eternity, the calm before the storm. The old woman looked up when she heard a strange sound like breathing, and and then I heard the first of those terrible cries. The animal must have been terrified that the old woman screamed. To quiet her, he gripped her by the hair, and the glint of metal shone in his clenched fist. Then the daughter began to scream, too. The noise threw the animal into a crazed panic. It was horrible to watch this creature, the same friend who had shared a space with me for so many months, gave vent to his most savage instincts. And you watched it all from your perch. You watched it without trying to stop it. That's not true. I, I did what I could. I called after him. I, I, I tried to shout at him in sounds he might recognize. I prayed he might actually understand. And through the closed apartment door, it must have sounded like German. Or Russian. But he never stopped. He just kept on with his grisly labors. I couldn't make it into the room. I, I couldn't. The leap to the window was too great, and the awful spectacle had me frozen. You watched the animal attack those women. You saw him rip out handfuls of the old woman's hair. You saw the daughter scramble to get away. She wasn't trying to flee. She was trying to save her mother. But then the beast caught the old woman a second time, and I finally saw what he had been carrying in his fist. My straight razor. My God. And in one quick movement, he nearly detached her head from her body. He tossed her corpse aside like it was a rag doll. I saw her daughter's distorted face, her silent weep of horror, and then she saw me too. Our eyes met. She mouthed something to me. It must have been something like, Help me. Help me, for God's sake. Her eyes were full of tears. And still you did nothing. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I will regret that for the rest of my life. The beast saw her and made quick work of her end. And I watched the whole horrible thing. You saw him grab her by the neck and squeeze the life out of her. You saw him hold her like that until she died. What would you have done? How can you pretend you'd act any differently? It was a nightmare. What did the animal do after the daughter had died? Did he immediately shove her body in the fireplace? No, not right away. He dropped her body to the floor at first and then turned to meet my eyes. It's all right. It's all right. You have to stop now. You have to. Please. And then without warning, 
The beast went mad again, running around the room, breaking chairs, pulling the bed to pieces. He overturned a desk and money went flying everywhere. 4,000 francs to be precise. It was chaos. And then he seemed to remember the bodies of the women and moved as if needing to hide them. That was then. With terrible strength, he put the daughter up the fireplace and threw the old woman out the window. Oh, that must have been horrific, watching a beast commit such atrocities. His work completed, the ape turned to face me again. His eyes held a wildness I had never seen before. He began to lumber toward me, and that's when I finally found the courage I need to slip down the pole and get away. I, I didn't look back, I just ran. But running will only get you so far. So it seems. Monsieur, I need you to do me a great favor and come with us to the police station. Oh, I will do so. So, it turns out Dupin's insane deduction was right all along. I suppose sometimes that's how it goes. Truth is stranger than fiction and all that. Let's just say Prefect Laurent was not thrilled when she heard the answer behind the mystery of the killings. A monkey. A monkey killed Madame Lespinay and her daughter. To be precise, it was not a monkey. It was an orangutan, a member of the ape family. It doesn't matter. I have never heard such an insane story in all my days on this police force. Well, we're not making it up. It's just a fact, Honoré. An utterly wild and preposterous fact. The truth is sometimes stranger than anything you could make up. And this man, this sailor, he saw the whole thing? I did, Prefect. Believe me, I wish I hadn't. Good God. All right. Let me just rest my head on my desk here for a second. Take all the time you need. And when you are ready to pick your head back up, you can have your men unlock Adolf Lebon's cell and set him free. Lebon? I'd forgotten all about him in the midst of this insanity, I swear. Dupin, is it? Yes, as I'm quite sure you are thoroughly aware. Dupin, yes. Dupin. I have never seen a mind that was so fixated on discovering the truth, even when that truth is completely deranged. Thank you, Prefect Laurent. I suppose it takes a deranged mind to crack a deranged case. And Jaeger, what are you now, Dupin's handler? Oh, I guess you could say that. Although what I do isn't so much handling as it is chasing him down the street while he leaps from one insane murder case to the next. Zack, like the sailor and the orangutan. That wasn't a compliment, Dupin. Well, whatever you're doing with him, keep it up. You've got it. Oh, and Zack? Yes? Thanks for all your help. The case had been cracked. Dupin was feeling smug, and we were on our way back home to crack open a bottle of something, I'm sure. Well, that's what we thought, at least. Do you have anywhere you need to be? Because there's still more to my story. I'll make it worth your while. Drinks on me. Claudette! Yeah, it's just nice to tell someone the details and never make it to the newsstands. Anyway, we were walking home, and Dupin was gloating... Ah, the warm air of a Parisian summer feels particularly delightful after you've wrapped up a murder case. You didn't even want to go see Adolphe Laban after all we went through to get him out of jail? Oh, most certainly not. He's probably not feeling like entertaining visitors in that cell. Let him think the gods have smiled on him. But if you don't want to see him, why did you care so much about proving his innocence? Because he was innocent. Well, actually, there's more to it than that. Ha! Yes, I knew it. Let's hear it. Before you and I had procured a stable residence, Zachary, I was wandering the streets one afternoon, and nature called, as it is wont to do. The matter was an urgent one, you see, and when I ducked into Monsieur Labon's bank, he was more than willing to let me make use of their facilities. Come to think of it, though, I did tell him I belonged to the bank and would be making a transaction as soon as I was done, but I ended up slipping out through the bathroom window instead. So perhaps it's good that we didn't see him in prison after all, don't you agree? You mean we went on this whole insane journey because you tricked a banker into letting you use his bathroom one time? Well, it sounds so vulgar when you describe it that way. Tupin, 
when we get home, I'm going to lock up the straight razor so you don't break loose from your chain one day and terrorize the streets with it. What a curious thing to say. Why in heaven's name would I do something like that? Uh, because I'm saying you're acting like the ara- You know what? Never mind. Wait. What's going on over there? Why are What's they... that crowd doing? Why are they looking out at the river? Oh, this could be quite interesting. Let's run. Yeah, wait up, Dupin. For goodness sake, don't you ever let it rest? Oh, dear God, it's disgusting. I see an arm. I think that's the head. It's a woman. Oh, no. Zachary, do you think it's a murder? How dramatic. We must find out. I am taking a vacation in Borneo after this. You've been listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air and our production of The Murders in the Rue Morgue, recorded live at the Enoch Pratt Free Library in Baltimore, Maryland. The Murders in the Rue Morgue was adapted for radio by Caroline Bennett and directed by Alex Zavistovich with the voices of Adam R. Adkins, David Hanauer, Jimmy Kinsel, Melanie Kirsten, Jennifer Restak, and Alex Zavistovich. Original music and sound design by James D. Watson. Poe Theater on the Air theme by Ty Ford. The National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air is sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, purveyors of Poe-inspired craft beer. And by DC Dogs, a multimedia performing arts troupe producing a range of artistic projects including live theater, music, radio, and film. The Murders in the Room Org was made possible by the Enoch Pratt Free Library, including special assistance from Adult Services Coordinator Emily Levine and recording engineers Sean Delaney, Kane Kanza, and Jonathan Paris Santana. Special thanks to the law offices of Fager Drinker, the technology company Avaya, Link Strategic Partners, and the Baltimore Office of Promotion and the Arts. More information on the National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre can be found at poetheater.org. Until next time, this is Alex Avistovich reminding you that all that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream.